Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. All right, we have, I think, 15 of our ladies that um, went to El Paso today for the One Sisterhood Conference. And so one of those is my wife. And uh, so that's where Miss Heather is and a whole bunch of others. And they made it there, arrived in El Paso earlier this afternoon, left out about 6.37 this morning, I think. And so they're there uh, for the conference. And I miss my wife dearly already a lot. But when she's gone, I get to kind of eat what I want. So I, I do cherish those moments. And um, Dylan and I, Dylan already knew what we would make when mom left. And one of our favorite things to eat at the house is beefy mac. Just you get a whole bunch of noodles and hamburger meat and just eat it like five meals in a row. So it sustains us. But we're happy about that. Amen. So uh, anyway, I'm very excited about our ladies and the ministry and, and uh, them going there to be refreshed and charged and encouraged in the things of God. So uh, that's where they are. And they'll be back before Sunday, though. They're coming back Saturday. And then it'll be loud again in here. So let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of Matthew. Turn to the book of Matthew. We are, we are in our Route 66 series, and now we have come to the New Testament. Can, can I get a good shout tonight that we're in the New Testament finally? Yeah. Woo! Thank you, Lord Jesus. It's good to go through the Old Testament and learn those things, but there ain't nothing like this side of it. Death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Huh? I mean, after a while, you, you enjoy looking at the types and the shadows, but the substance is so much better. Amen. We saw Jesus throughout the Old, the Old Testament in every book um, because this whole Bible is, he's the center of it all. Um, but we, the, the substance really comes to life in the, in the New Testament. Now, it's interesting that you can basically sum up the whole entire Old Testament in two words. The first word of the Old Testament in Genesis starts with, you may tell me the first word, in, in. The last word of the Old Testament found in the book of Malachi is curse, in curse. Thanks to Adam, right? And it brought the curse of sin and death. But then this book, Matthew, opens up with the word, the. And the very last word in the New Testament in Revelation chapter 22 is amen, the amen. And Jesus is the amen, hallelujah. So uh, it didn't end with in curse, it ends with the amen, hallelujah. That was worth coming to church for, wasn't it? Matthew chapter 9, um, I want us to look at this passage of scripture, and this is where we find this man, Matthew, as Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax office, and he said to him, follow me. So he arose and followed him. Now, Matthew was called a little later than some of the other disciples. And I'm trying to imagine what they must have thought. Peter, James, and John, and Andrew have come in at this point, and, and a few others, and they're following Jesus around, and they walk by the despised tax collector's desk. And there he is, sitting at the desk, doing the work. Now, Matthew was a tax collector, um, and, and the reason that they were looked so down, I mean, you know, 
obviously we know why he was looked down upon. He was taking the taxes. But what was even worse was he was working for the Roman government, all right, which, which the Jews felt like that a guy like Matthew was betraying them, working for Rome, taking tax money from his own people. All right, so you can see why he had a very difficult job to do. Jesus walks by this tax collector, one what everybody else walks by and maybe jeers at and says a few colorful words to. Jesus walks by and says to him, follow me. Imagine what the other guys must have felt like. Oh, no, 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 Jesus. Not this guy. Follow me. So he arose and followed him. You know, there is no one that is out of the reach of Jesus. He sees potential in people that many of us would not even dare to see. Aren't you grateful for that, a God who can see all the way through all the faults, all the, the problems, and look right at our heart and say, I can use this person. Now, it happened as Jesus sat at the table in the house that, behold, many tax collectors. Now, this doesn't give all the details of what house this is, but Mark and Luke both give you the account and they tell you, Mark chapter 2 and Luke chapter 5, they give you the account that they're, he's actually at Matthew's house. So Matthew, or Levi, is also called Levi, throws this great feast once Jesus calls him, and he has him over at his house. And so what happened is he sat at the table in the house to behold many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. All right, this is a rough group of people. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to his disciples, Why does, why does your teacher... Eat with tax collectors and sinners. You know, remember, Pharisees always have a British accent. When Jesus heard that, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So Jesus showed right, right here what his mission was to do. Right here in Matthew's house. That's where he told the religious guys to do. I came here to help those that are sick. I am the great physician. This is why we're here on the earth, my family. You know, we're going to have people come through our doors that may be despised in society. Come through our doors that don't look like everybody else, that aren't all cleaned up, that don't have their church lingo down, and don't even know the scriptures. This is why we're here. We're here for every man, woman, boy, and girl. All right? And all are welcome here. If we're going to be anything like him, we're always going to have our arms open wide to all of them. All right? Can I get a good amen? Can I get a better amen than I'm getting right now? Okay. So Jesus showed us, us, not only his purpose, but our purpose here. Amen. So now, what I'd... I'd I want to give you just a little history now on the book of Matthew. Matthew had, has a target audience, and Matthew's target audience is the Jews. When he takes this and he gets a revelation of Jesus, his whole world gets turned around, and now not, he's not just no longer takes from the Jews. Now he's giving something to them. Now he's giving them a story an account of Jesus Christ. And not just an account of him, he's trying to bring revelation to them, something that had been prophesied by the prophets 
eons before, as we read many times, those prophets pointing to the day when a redeemer would come, when the government would be upon his shoulders. He would be the seed of David. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son of, is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, right? And, and, and this kingdom will have no end. And this will, he will sit upon the throne of David. So now Matthew is here to tell the, his Jewish brothers and sisters that Jesus is the king. Jesus of Nazareth is the Messiah that you've been looking for, all right? This, is, this whole book is to show them that Jesus is the king. All right. It's interesting that each of the Gospels, you know, people ask, why are there four, four Gospels? Because they all have very specific purposes, and many of them very specific audiences that they're writing to, and Matthew is no doubt to the Jewish nation. All right. Now, there are things in there that, that we can glean as Gentiles some, because it's Jesus and it's his ministry, but the audience here and the whole setup of his writing is for the Jews to help them understand he has come, your king has come, your Messiah is here. All right? Listen to the way it opens up. Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Right now, that statement right there authenticates Jesus as the Messiah and as the king. He's the son of Abraham and he's the son of David. All right? He has the rightful, he has the right, I should say, to sit on the throne of David being the seed of David. So he opens it up with that strong, powerful statement. And you see, he gives the genealogy, and Matthew gives the genealogy of Jesus through the male line, all right? Luke, we'll talk about that later, Luke gives gives Jesus' genealogy from David through Mary, but he does it through Joseph. Now, we know that Joseph was not his earthly father, but he was his father here on the earth. All right, he was his, his caregiver here on the earth. And so it's interesting that both genealogies of Matthew and Luke, both Mary and Joseph, came through David. Just so everybody is very clear that he is worthy of the throne of David. All right, he has the rightful place to sit on that throne. Uh, Matthew chapter 21 also, uh, let's bring that up on the screen. Verse 4, all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which is spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you to you lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. See that? Behold, your king is coming to you. That was when Jesus made his triumphal entry into Jerusalem, all right? And Matthew dips back all the way back to Zechariah chapter 9 and verse 9, and, and this, is, this is where he got this from. Interestingly enough, Matthew makes something around 60 Old Testament references in his book. Imagine that, way more than all the other gospel writers. 60 Old Testament references. Don't you, how many of you see that he's really trying to make a case? All right, he's building a case that Christ is the one that was prophesied about. He is the king and he is the Messiah. All right, 60 different times. Uh, that second uh, to him was Luke with, I think he'd had like 43 references or something like that. So Matthew wanted to make sure that they drew that connection. So Matthew is the gospel of the king. And so since he is being presented as the promised king, uh, the key audience is the Jews. And uh, so the phrase also, this is interesting too, a little bit of trivia here, a little bit of interesting facts about Matthew is that the phrase, the kingdom of heaven, is found 32 times in the book of Matthew. And Matthew is the only book in the New Testament that has that phrase, the kingdom of heaven. No other gospels say it, no other books in the New Testament. 
He's the only one that has the phrase kingdom of heaven. So he's very purposeful in the way he writes to point to the king, to point to the Messiah. All right? Now, I want to, for the attraction tonight, I want to uh, talk about just a, a few of the unique narratives of Matthew that you don't find in any, any of their gospels, okay? Um, his genealogy being one from Abraham to Joseph uh, through the male line. And then uh, he, he mentions 42 different generations. Um, also there, interestingly enough, he mentions uh, four women in Christ's lineage. All right? One of them is not named, but we know who she is because it says that she was the wife of Uriah. All right? You remember Uriah who David had killed for his wife by the name of Bathsheba. All right? And so through her, she's in Christ's lineage. Then there's a woman by the name of Tamar. Remember Tamar, who was um, the daughter-in-law of Jacob? I mean, not Jacob, but Judah. Daughter-in-law of Judah. And, and when Judah's son died, and so then he said, well, when my next son gets old enough, then he'll take you as a wife. Well, I don't know if he forgot about it or he waited too long, but then she went into harlotry. And she actually dressed up as a harlot and found Judah on, the, on the, the street corner and seduced him. And he said, okay. So then uh, she ends up getting pregnant by him and uh, Judah, her father-in-law, and she has uh, Perez and um, some other name. Anyway, these two boys. And Jesus is in that lineage of not only Bathsheba, but Tamar. Then there's another woman by the name of Rahab, who was also a harlot. All right, and she was a harlot in Jericho, and she was the one that, that said, if you please spare me and my family, and she hid the spies as they went in to spy out the land, and God, and they spared her when she put that scarlet rope in her window, and that hers was the only place that did not fall when the Jericho wall fell, all right, and she was spared, and she came into the family of the Jews. Then this last one was a lady by the name of Ruth, who wasn't even a Jew. She was a Moabite. And they had strict laws that Jews do not mingle with Moabites, or she would be a Moabitess. But she would become the great-grandmother of David himself. Some interesting things that are unique to Matthew. In Matthew chapter 1, you have the account of Joseph having his dreams. And God speaking to him to not put Mary away, but to take her as a wife. When he heard the news that she's being, she was impregnated by God, and you imagine the shock that was for him, that he had, he had to have an angelic vision and a dream to help him uh, swallow that truth. Uh, Matthew chapter 2, uh, we have the story of the wise men. That's, it's on, that account is only in, in Matthew. Um, also, Herod's massacre of all the children of Bethlehem, when he heard news that a king was coming. He felt threatened. His throne was threatened. And so, therefore, he killed every male child there uh, from two years old and under. The butcher of Bethlehem. Also, his, his Herod's death and Christ returned to Nazareth. Uh, Matthew uh, 5 through 7. Now, we have little parts of this throughout Luke, but we really have it in full in Matthew chapter 5 through 7, especially Matthew 5, known as the Beatitudes um, or, or the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 9, uh, Jesus healing two blind men. Matthew's only the one that gives the account of Jesus healing two blind men. Uh, Matthew chapter 11, 
I love Matthew chapter 11 because this is where Jesus said, uh, come unto me all you who labor and are heavy laden or weighed down and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Matthew is the only account that, uh, that tells that story of Jesus. And we all love those verses, don't we? Um, Matthew chapter 13 um, where he gives the parables of the hidden treasure, the pearl and the dragnet, and all those are parables about the kingdom of heaven. Also, Peter's confession of Christ in Matthew chapter 16. And remember when he said, who do men say that I am? And, J and Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, flesh and blood, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father in heaven. Matthew, it, it, that's only his account has that story. And, uh, Christ's confirmation of his name. And he says, from now on, I will call you uh, Peter, which means rock or little rock. Matthew chapter 17 um, is where Jesus uh, told uh, Peter, go and put a hook in the water and the fish that you catch is going to have a gold coin in his mouth and then go pay our taxes with that. Marvelous miracle. Uh, Matthew chapter 20, again, another account where Jesus heals two blind men while going from Jericho. Um, Matthew chapter 22 is the parable of the wedding garment. Matthew 25, y'all remember the parable of the ten virgins? Um, uh, also of the talents and the sheep and the goats at the, at the day of judgment. Um, Pilate's wife, who had the dream of Jesus, of, had the nightmare, actually, and she said, have nothing to do with killing this man. Remember that? That's, that account is only in Matthew and also the appearance of many saints after the crucifixion. You remember how it says that the graves opened up and the saints, the, those who were of old, came up out of the graves and they walked amongst the city? That's a weird, weird story. And I wish it would have given us a little bit more uh, information. You know, Matthew just said it so matter-of-factly and just walks on by and you go, what, what, what? Say that one more time. You're saying that dead people came up out of the graves and they're walking around the streets? Sounds like uh, the zombie apocalypse. I'd like to hear more about that story, right? Even, and, and you see things like that in the scriptures, like when it says the sons of God came down and had relations with the daughters of Eve and giants were formed. And it just like moves on. You go, what? Interesting things in the scripture. We still have so much to know, so much to learn. Um, Matthew chapter 28 is, um, is uh, the only place that talks about the soldiers gambling for Jesus' garment at the, at the cross. And, uh, uh, no, 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 sorry, that's, I, I said that wrong. They were bribed, I'm sorry, they were bribed to say that Jesus' disciples had stolen his body. That's, that account is the only place uh, is found in Matthew chapter 28. So, very interesting stuff. So, Matthew's an extraordinary book. It is the longest uh, book of, has the most chapters of all the Gospels. Luke is actually the longest as far as word content goes, but Matthew as far as, uh, Chapters, 28 chapters, the longest book. So I encourage you to spend some time this week reading in the book of Matthew. It's extraordinary. We, we have great verses of Scripture, one of those being um, chapter 11. We've talked about Jesus uh, saying, come unto me. Also, we have Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, which we all know very well. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. And uh, uh, the Lord's Prayer, also in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 7, where he talks about, and this is also found in Luke chapter 11, but it says a, a bit different. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, Ask, and you will receive. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And to him who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened to him. 
All right, beautiful. All right, so, but there's a lot of references to the kingdom of God. It, it, you can see Matthew in sections. He first part talks about Jesus' childhood, his birth, uh, and all that. And then he goes into Jesus' teaching, a lot of teaching. And then he moves over into Jesus' ministry and, and all the miracles and the healings that he did all the way up then to the end of his life, coming into Passover and to the crucifixion, burial, and resurrection. Marvelous books. I want to encourage you to spend some time in it, all right? So now I want to now take us to uh, Matthew chapter 5, and this is where I'm going to get a memento to you, something that you can take home with you and apply this to your life. And to remember this and to uh, set your mind to meditate on it and to remember uh, these words because they're so powerful. Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says in verse 14, you are the light of the world. Won't you say that right now? Say, I am the light of the world. Well, that's a, Jesus even said about himself, he's the light of the world, but then he turned around and told you, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Verse 16, let your light so shine where? Before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And this is where we say that, you are not saved by good works, but you might help someone else get saved by your good works, okay? That they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So Jesus said, you are a light, now let your light shine. You are a light, now let your light shine. So the first thing you need to know about yourself is who you are, because when you know who you are, then you can know what you can do. All right, and since he called you a light, now he's saying, shine. Shine now. Let your light shine. Don't hide that light. Don't, you know, I, was, I told you this story a, a few years ago, so I think it's good that I can bring it back around again. Years and years ago, my brother and I were, were deer hunting out in West Texas, and we got up uh, really early that morning, and, and I, he didn't know the property like I knew it, because he was kind of new to that place, and I'd done a lot of work out there with my father-in-law. I mean, we walked that property all the time, did work, and fixed fences, and filled feeders, and planted stuff, and watered trees, and that man worked me so hard, but I, it was good for me. So I knew that place really, so I, I was telling my brother, giving him some directions how to get to where he would sit in his blind, and it was very early morning, so it was, it was dark outside, and it, and it was one of those mornings where there's, there's very little moonlight, and it's behind the clouds, so you couldn't see the stars or anything, so it was really dark out there, and you're away from the city, so you don't even have street lights and, you know, lighting up anything. Uh, so I handed him a flashlight, uh, my good flashlight, and I remembered I had one in my jacket pocket uh, that I'd had for a few years. So he made his way off to his blind, and I was going to have a long walk ahead of me to mine. So I maybe about... A mile or so uh, to get there. So I was just going to be walking through there. So as soon as we parted ways, I started walking down the trail and I pull out my flashlight and I shine it down on the, the road, the, the little dirt road. And as I'm walking along, this flashlight gets dimmer and dimmer and dimmer and dimmer. I thought, oh yeah, I didn't put any new batteries in this thing in the last five years. So as I'm, as I'm walking with this light, I notice something interesting that, that I keep I keep going off of the road because, you know, you can feel the path under your feet, and I keep finding myself out in the grass. And, I, and, and it was casting a little bit of light, so I thought, what is going on here? And I found something interesting. The way that dim light acted 
is that it would cast shadows on some of the grass and stuff, and it made me go off course. And I could actually find my way better down that road in the dark than with that dim light. And the Lord started talking to me right there. You can feel that you can hear the sermon, right? And he said, you've got to let your light shine so that others may see. Because if your light is dim, then you're going to lead them down the wrong way. You're going to lead them down the wrong path. Jesus said, let your light so shine before them. Don't live a dim life when you've got the light of Christ on the inside of you. Let that light shine and make the way clear to see. Amen. I want you to look at something for just a moment. I'm, I'm almost through. Um, what was the next verse I had up there, Lisa? Ephesians, yeah. Look at this. Paul says, you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. That's one, again, the scripture teaches us what we are and then what to do about what we are. You are light, now walk that way. Okay? You know, uh, Corinthians talks about awaking to righteousness. You know the scripture? Awaken to righteousness and sin not. Many, many people have that backwards. They think that when they stop sinning, that's when they will awaken to righteousness. But the opposite is true. Awaken to righteousness. In other words, awaken to who you are. Because the scripture says, now you are the righteousness of God in Christ. So when you know who you are, sin's not going to be an issue with you. I mean, it, it'll be a smaller issue, let's say that, all right? And sin, awaken to righteousness, all right? And the more you get aware and awake to your righteous state, what Christ has done for you, then that's when uh, the desires for the fleshly desires no longer have any appeal, all right? Because now you're identifying with the real you, with the real you. Um, now let's go to the next, next uh, verse, which is Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Look at this. For we are his workmanship. Who did this work? You or him. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for what? For good works. In other words, God made you for good works. He's not telling you to do something that you're not made to do. He's not telling you to do something that goes against your nature. He says, I created you. You're my workmanship, and I created you in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That's amazing, isn't it? So he made you to do that. Now, now the last, last verse here, which is Galatians chapter 5. I like this. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Verse 17. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. Any of you, how many of you have been saved for more than a week? So you found that that verse is very true, isn't it? For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another. Watch this. So that you do not do the things that you wish. I want to say this, and then, and, then, and then maybe explain it if I need to. True Christian freedom is found when you can do what you want to do. True Christian freedom is found when you do what you want to do. Paul said the things that's stopping you from doing what you wish to do is the flesh. The thing that's hindering you from doing what you really want to do is the flesh. Well, who's you? Are you the flesh or are you the spirit? And that's why you have to identify with the right thing. If you understand that you are a spirit, you have a soul made up of your mind, your will, and your emotions, and you live in this body, and this body is fighting every desire of the spirit. The body wants to only serve itself. 
And so it hinders you and keeps you from doing what you really want to do. Because now that you have his nature, you have his desire. Now that you have his nature, you have God's want-tos. Amen. So now you have the right desire because when you don't do the right thing, what happens on the inside of you? You go, oh. Well, if you didn't have the right desire, you wouldn't feel bad for doing the wrong thing. But because it goes against who you really are, it goes against your real nature, the flesh is fighting you. So true freedom, and true, I mean, to really be free in Jesus is to truly do what you want to do because you'll always do the right thing. As long as you say you is that recreated, born-again spirit. That's good preaching, Pastor Eric. I know, it is good preaching. That, that'll set people free, Pastor Eric. I know, it will set people free. Hallelujah. Let's, let's stand and pray for a moment. Father, we thank you tonight for this glorious gospel that has come to us. Lord, thank you for the scriptures that we can come and open these things up and, and learn, Lord, and, and, and learn of more of you. Jesus, we just see you revealed over and over and over again in new ways and new things. And we declare that Jesus is our king tonight. Hallelujah. You are the one who bled and died for us. You are worthy to sit on the throne of our hearts, Lord, for what you have done for us. Thank you that you called us out of darkness and you brought us into your marvelous light. Thank you that you created us, Lord, to be like you in this earth. As you are, so are we in this world. Thank you for loving us with that great love that takes away all fear so that we can step into true freedom, Lord, so that we as lights will shine like lights, Lord. We'll do what, we, what reflects who we are. Father, I thank you for your blessing upon all these who are here this evening, Lord, and all those who are, who are watching on live stream and listening by podcast. I, Father, I pray for the favor of God that surrounds them as with the shield, Lord, to be with them, Lord. That, 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 that your favor, God, would go before them. It would gird them, Lord. It would be behind them. It would be around them, Lord. So that where they go, Lord, they have favor not only with God, but they also have favor with men. Lord, I thank you that your blessing is upon them. The blessing of Abraham. That is that they are blessed and they will be a blessing. You bless them to multiply. You bless them to increase, Lord. Hallelujah. I thank you, Father God, that you bless them in possession, Lord. You bless them, Lord, in, in, uh, in, in, in their family, God, in their marriage. You bless them in love. You bless them, Lord, in, in raising children. You give them wisdom, Lord. You give them understanding. You give them help. Lord, you bless them in their bodies, Lord. I just declare that sickness and disease will have no hold on them, no place in their lives. In the name of Jesus, I thank you, Father God, that their bodies thrive in health and wholeness. In Jesus' name, every tissue, every cell, and every fiber of their being. In Jesus' name, Lord, I thank you that their minds, they have sound minds. Lord, that they have the mind of Christ. Lord, where there has been confusion, where there has been misunderstanding, where there has been anxiety. Lord, even where there have been strongholds. Lord, I thank you right now that you are helping them. And granting them peace, the peace of God that passes all understanding that will guard their heart and their mind. Lord, I thank you that even in their sleep, when they lay down tonight and in the next few nights, God, the next many nights, Lord, that Psalm chapter 4 verse 8 will be their word, Lord. I will both lie down in peace and sleep for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Thank you, Father God, that you give your angels charge over them to keep them in all of their ways. And Father, I thank you that you've put people in their lives 
that need to hear this good news. This good news that came to us by God's love, by God's grace, that Christ died for our sins and he was buried and he rose again the third day. Thank you, Lord, for that. That you were judged for us. That you took God's wrath upon you so that God would no longer be angry with us. You were forsaken so that we would be forgiven today. Thank you that you called us, you chose us, and you forgave us. And Lord, we want to be, do everything that we can to be bold and courageous. Lord, to be lights and to share this glorious gospel, to share our own testimony of how you came into our lives and changed everything for us. Thank you for that. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.